You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York, a community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. All right. Listen, after that worship, I don't even know how I'm going to get through this, but I will tell you that um, I was excited before, but I'm even more excited about what the Lord has for us today. Um, I really feel that this is a word that most, if not all of us, will be able um, to relate to. And um, yeah, so if you have your Bibles, let's just jump right to it. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to uh, the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. Uh, This is in the Old Testament. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 7. Again, that's 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us there get a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water. And he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. He cut off a stick. When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your awesome and amazing word this morning, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. I just pray today, Lord God, that you would open our ears, open our hearts, Lord, to receive what you have for us today, Lord Jesus. Let us not harden our hearts. Let us not close our ears, Lord God, that we would just seek you faithfully today. For it's in your precious, matchless name that we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. By the way, before I forget, um, I got to speak to Pastor a little bit this morning via text. Uh, Our pastor is so amazing, right? Um, He he always reaches out, makes sure that I'm okay before these things. Um, And so he just wanted all of you to know uh, that he loves you that he, both he and Jacqueline are really enjoying this time, uh, sensing the restoration and the refreshment uh, that comes from the Lord. Amen? So I just want to make sure you knew that. All right. So the title for today's message is, Where Did You Lose It? Where Did You Lose It? And before we dive into this question of where did you lose it, I believe we first need to extract some key spiritual principles that we see in this story that will not only sort of serve as a reminder, but will help us better understand or better address this question of where did you lose it. Now, the story we read today is um, undoubtedly a pretty cool story, right? 
probably, well, first and foremost, how many of you have ever heard the story of the floating axe head by a show of hands? Some of your hands didn't go up. Up until maybe a couple of years ago, I had never heard this story either. And it's a very cool story, but it's sort of like this obscure story in the Old Testament that is actually preceded by a long uh, uh, line of miracles and events that sort of preceded, that preceded by the, the ministry of, of Elisha. And in the preceding chapters of this story, we're introduced to this man of God, the prophet Elisha, who ministered during the era of what we call the, the wicked kings of Israel. How many of you know that we're living in some wicked times as well? And after the departure of his mentor, uh, Elijah, he is given a double portion of Elijah's anointing. Now, um, we won't be able to cover every single miracle and event um, that uh, was preceded, and I certainly don't want to have to explain to anyone here why making fun of someone's bald head uh, could land you attacked by a bear. Um, if you've read Second Kings, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about some of the miracles and events leading up to this particular story. And I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. In the preceding chapters, we learn that Elisha, after receiving the double portion of this anointing we were talking about, is able to split and cross the, the, the River Jordan in similar fashion to Elijah. He then would go on to um, heal the waters in Jericho, making the waters potable. Then there's the story of the, the widow who is facing this major dilemma with a creditor who wants to take away her children into slavery. And Elisha instructs her to borrow as many empty vessels as she can get from her neighbors, shut the door behind her, and take the one jar of oil that she has and fill all the empty jars. Miraculous. Which satisfies the debt. Wouldn't that be a cool sermon, by the way? <laughs> then there's the story of the generous Shumanite woman and her husband. Elisha prophesies that they're going to end up having a child. To which her answer is, stop playing with me. And she does end up having a son, bearing a child. Only a few verses later, we learn that this child gets sick and dies. And then Elisha miraculously revives him. We then have the purification of the deadly stew and the multiplication of the bread that feeds a hundred men. And then lastly, in the preceding chapter, we learn of the healing of Naaman, the Syrian commander of his leprosy. And then right after that, we see Eli uh, Gehazi, who's Elijah's right man, struck with the same leprosy for his greed and deceit. So in comparison to the preceding miracles and events in this story of the floating axe head, this story comes across as seemingly insignificant. Yet here it lies in the scriptures for all posterity. 
And I don't believe that this is by coincidence. I believe that God wants to remind us that he cares about every little detail of our lives. You weren't in my notes, but you said it earlier. Notice that there was no life or death scenario here. Yet Elisha, this Christ-like figure, is there to help this man in his personal time of crisis. Many of us battle with thoughts like, why would God care about me or my little problems when he has an entire world to worry about? But that couldn't be further from the truth, right? Consider what Jesus says in Matthew 10.30 when considering your value, my value, before the Lord. He says that even the hairs of your head are all numbered. That's right. God is far more concerned than we can imagine. So yes, God wants to remind the one who feels marginalized, the one who feels this insignificant this morning, that you absolutely matter. I can't tell you enough as I was sitting there today that I know that there's someone here that needs to hear that this morning. You need to hear that reminder that you absolutely matter to the Lord. In the story, again, this Christ-like figure, Elisha, is asked to accompany the men to, to do the work or the task, to which he replies, I will go. I believe this is a, a very important point because it reminds us that when we invite God's presence into every aspect of our lives, the answer is always yes. God is always willing and never too busy to accompany us. I can't emphasize this enough, how imperative it is to begin our days inviting the Lord into every aspect of our day be it work, rest, ministry, and yes, even our leisurely activities. This reminds me of something. If we're being honest with ourselves and we can imagine parts of our life that maybe we are unwilling, unable, or ashamed to invite God into, the question we really should be asking to today is, Lord, purge those things from our life, lives. Just saying. Consider this. Iron doesn't float, especially a heavy axe head. Now, we don't have time to go through a science project today, but I'm betting if I had a bucket of water here and I took a heavy axe head, the density of that axe head would cause it to drop and it wasn't going to float, much less in the river Jordan, in Jordan River. Yet this story makes it clear that empowered by God, Elisha makes the axe head float, defying science and logic. Many times we face situations that seem impossible, but again, we need to be reminded today that our God is capable of performing the impossible. 
Our God is not limited by any constraints. He is simply able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Amen? All right, so just to recap really quickly those three points. You absolutely matter. It is imperative that we invite God into every aspect of our lives on a daily basis. And we serve a God who is capable of doing the impossible. Now, that wasn't my sermon. That was just the first three points. <laughs> and hopefully that's going to give us a lens to look through today to help us better address this question of where did you lose it? All right. So how many of you enjoy losing things? If you do, you're weird, and we're going to pray for you at the end of the service, but <laughs> if you're like me, you don't like losing things. In fact, I'll let you in on a little secret of mine, and uh, my wife can attest to this. I am notoriously, I mean, like, really bad at losing my keys in my wallet every day, <laughs> like every day. Now, thankfully, it doesn't seem to happen when I'm outside right? So I'm not like stranded or lost. But it always happens at home. And uh, we've, I mean, we've tried everything. We've tried hooks, valets, boxes, and somehow these things grow legs and they just end up in couches and like places. That I didn't even sit there. How did you get there? And so, um, yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't look good sometimes in the morning. And my wife is a very patient woman. Thank you, honey. But thank God for technology, right? Sometimes technology is, is really good. And uh, now I have these little air tags um, that I can affix to both my wallet and my keys. And uh, they, help me <laughs> they help me locate those things, um, you know, pretty quickly. But these are tangible things, right? That while inconvenient to lose, really don't have any sort of eternal value. But what about when you lose those non-tangible things? What about when you lose things like, or when we lose things like our love, our joy, our peace, our passion, or our zeal for the things of the Lord? Many will tell you that a proper interpretation of this story shows us that God is able to take care of us in our time of crisis. And I can certainly agree with that. But I also believe that this story shows us that God is able to help us recover that which may not only seem lost, but also impossible to recover. How many of you believe that God equips us for every good work? Amen. In our text uh, for today, we're presented with a story of a man who having been equipped to do a good work, quite literally loses his cutting edge. And to make matters worse, the tool that he uses is borrowed. It may seem strange to us today, but an iron axe head was an extremely precious and valuable commodity in those days. 
and to lose it would have been very stressful as this item would have needed to be replaced. And these were not men of great means. Sons of the prophets were thought to be men of, uh, they were not affluent, they were very poor. At least that's the general consensus. And so the scriptures tell us that he cries out, I've lost it. I need your help. So my question to you this morning is, have you lost anything this morning? And if you've lost anything, is there any urgency to recover it? Let's be clear. This is by no means supposed to serve as a blueprint for recovering that which may seem lost. The blueprint for that is only Jesus. Only Jesus. We need to be reminded of that today, I believe, as well. The power of the name of Jesus. That at the mention of his name, demons tremble. You need to know that. That at the mention of his name, Jesus, that demons tremble. There is absolute power in the name of Jesus. But I do believe that this story provides us with some very practical guidance to help us recover what seems lost and impossible to retrieve. Recall that in the text, these sons of the prophets, which were basically a, a community of students, come to Elisha with a problem. The place where they dwell has become overcrowded, as we learn in the story. But they don't just come to him with a problem, right? They come to him with a solution as well. You know, this reminds me of something um, early on in my career uh, when I first started getting exposure to, like, C-suite or C-level executives. Um, I, I, I had sort of developed a knack for finding problems. And I was very excited about this. And I walk into a meeting one day uh, with, with one of these executives, and, I'm, and I was so happy to tell him all of the problems we were having. <laughs> and he looks at me and he says, well, do you have any solutions? And I was like, no. <laughs> Don't you want to know the problems? <laughs> and he was like, and I think he did this kind of gracefully now that I think about it. But he said, next time, I appreciate you bringing the problem, but give me some solutions. Give me something to consider. And um, I never came to him with another problem, by the way, but <laughs> I think he actually moved on. But um, yeah, it was an important lesson to learn that we shouldn't be so quick to always just point out problems, but we should also be part of the solution as well. Amen? Very practical advice. All right, let me find my way back here again. And so they say, let us go down to the Jordan and build a larger space, which is a good thing, right? And that brings us to our first point here. The axe head was lost doing a good thing. The axe head was lost doing a good thing. It wasn't because they went off in disobedience or sin. And similarly, when we feel we have lost something, it doesn't always mean that we're in some sort of 
sin. Sometimes things just don't feel right. Right, Steph? Doesn't mean that we're in sin. Sometimes things just dry up. And we need to be honest with the Lord. And we need to be able to come boldly and say, things are just not right right now. Where is it, Lord? Now, in providing a solution, they also sought Elisha's permission, to which he replied, go. But that wasn't enough, right? They also sought his presence, to which Elisha replies, I will go. Friends, it's not enough that we have just the Lord's permission, but also his presence. How much do we value the presence of the Lord in our lives? Very important. And so when crisis strikes, Elisha, again, this Christ-like figure, is present and available to not only comfort, but to assist this man. This is not to say that they couldn't have called Elisha after the fact, realizing that if Elijah had been there, he would have been able to remedy the situation. But again, they understood beforehand. They made the investment beforehand, understanding the value of having Elisha already there. How important it is to invite the Lord into our lives every single day. Listen, when we cry out, God hears us. But how important it is when he's already there. Because we've invited him in to every single thing in our lives. Notice that, and then notice what Elisha says. Where did it fall? In other words, where did you lose it? Can we be honest or even aware enough to tell the Lord where we've lost it? Again, I, I want to emphasize that. Because for some of us, even, and even more importantly sometimes, for some of us that are in ministry, some of us that lead worship, some of us that are maybe leaders in the church, elders, deacons, sometimes it's almost embarrassing to say that we've sort of dried up. But there's no shame in that. The shame is in not tapping into the well. The shame is, in not, is not in, in admitting that things have dried up. The shame is that we don't feel that we can, as Stephanie said earlier, confidently come to him and tell him, Lord, I need you to restore that which seems lost and impossible to recover. And then Elijah does something seemingly strange. He cuts off a stick and he throws it in the river, causing the axe head to flow. I'm going to be honest. I, I don't know about you, but that's probably not how I would have remedied the situation. Right? I mean, thank God I'm not throwing sticks at anyone right now. Which reminds us that sometimes the remedy isn't always what we expect. 
Wasn't that what happened with Naaman in the previous chapter? He comes to practically buy his healing. And when he's told to go dunk in the Jordan, he's like, what? I didn't come all the way over here for that. We can't buy the blessing. Freely it was given to us on the cross. But our job is to trust in the Lord and the fact that he is able to do the impossible. Lastly, notice what happens next. He doesn't cause it to float up and join the handle. Shoo. <laughs> Why doesn't he just cause the axe to go like full-blown autopilot and start chopping down the trees for them? Right? I mean, he's God, right? He can do anything. He can do it. He can do the impossible. But no. He tells him, take it up. So the story ends with saying, so he reached out his hand and he took it. Notice here how Elisha, again, this Christ-like figure, does what the man could not do, but then requires that he do his part. Isn't it fascinating that God partners with us in the remedy? You know, we live in a, in a and this is not in my notes, we live in a popcorn society. We don't only want to just come with the problems, we want somebody else to solve the problems for us. And very rarely do you see people want to take a step forward. I'm not advocating here that this is a case of like God helps those who help themselves. That's not even biblical. What I'm saying here is that God partners with us in the remedy partners with us in the solution. And that's important because that's relationship. We don't serve a God who scares us into loving him. Listen, when we walk fearfully before the Lord, it's in reverence. I don't walk fearfully because I think God is going to smash me. Yeah, he could smash me, in fact. But that's not why I walk in the fear of the Lord. That's not why any of these men of God that you read about in the Bible walked in the fear of the Lord. They walk in the fear of the Lord because it is reverent to walk in the fear of the Lord. Our God is a holy God. And are we living our lives in such a manner that we can say that we're worthy of lifting our hands to a holy God this morning? As we close, I want us to be reminded of this that we absolutely matter to the Lord. If that's the only thing you get out of this message today, let that be. But I can't say it enough. You absolutely matter to the Lord. There is nothing insignificant about you. There's nothing about you that's unworthy to him. He loves you just the way you are. You don't need to get better you don't need to try harder. He loves you just the way you are. And if some person doesn't validate that for you, don't worry about it. I love that saying, we're not defined by the created. 
but we're defined by the creator. Don't let people decide who you are. That's God's job. Do we value the Lord's presence in our lives? I can tell you right now, I wouldn't even be able to stand up here today without the Lord's presence. And I can also tell you today that the Lord's presence has been in this room from the very start. Even as I walked in and I saw the ushers, I just sensed the presence of the Lord. This is real talk. This is not like clickbait stuff or just cool stuff to say. Real talk. Walked in the door, saw those faces, saw those faithful men of God, saw the greeters at the door, the loving faces of those women, and I just thought to myself, wow, the presence of the Lord. Something to look forward to, by the way. One day we're going to get to do this in eternity. Amen? Can we be honest enough to tell the Lord where we've lost it? Notice something. He didn't just say, oh, you lost it. He says, where did you lose it? Are you aware of maybe where you might have lost it? Are you able to go back and retrace your steps and see where maybe things might have deviated a little bit? Again, this is not to say, oh, you committed some sin. This is to say that sometimes life happens, things happen, we get distracted, and then all of a sudden our love, our zeal, our peace, our joy, all of those things that we see in the fruit of the Spirit, they just seem diminished. How many of you know that the Spirit of the Lord resides in us, and He can replenish those things in abundance? He can fill us to overflowing. Why? So that we can pour ourselves out to the community so that we can pour ourselves out to our spouses, our children, our families, our neighbors, our co-workers, whoever, so that we can pour ourselves out. We don't want to be filled up so that we can walk around like filled jugs. We want to walk around filled so that we can pour ourselves out and allow the Lord to keep pouring into our lives. Amen? Can we trust the Lord to help us recover what seems lost. You know, that's what I was sensing earlier when we were singing. That there may be some of us here that life has happened to us in such a way where it's kind of hard to trust the Lord. But I urge you this morning, trust Him. You know, one of the beautiful things about seeing all of your faces, it's a reminder not only that I'm in this alone, but it's a reminder of the present-day miracles that God is doing. Each of you right now could have been somewhere else, but each of you represents a miracle in a life that God performed. Each of you. Again, don't let the world define you. You're a miracle. Lastly, are we prepared to do our part to recover what seems lost? Are we prepared to do our part? 
This doesn't mean that you need to go through 12 steps of whatever necessarily. This means that not only do we trust the Lord, and not only do we trust that sometimes the remedy isn't exactly what we expected, but are we willing to come alongside the Lord and take up what the Lord has recovered for us? Very important. In a moment here, Elder George is going to come up and he's going to lead us in the elements. And generally speaking, at least for as long as I can recall, there was always a call to examining ourselves whenever we partake of the elements. And this morning as we uh, go to the Lord's table, I want us to examine ourselves. Lord, this is what I've lost. Or, where, where, or, or help me, Lord, sometimes even find what I might have but I don't even know that I've lost. Restore my cutting edge, Lord. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle Podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.